In this episode of 2000 Books, Ed Hess, professor of business at University of Virginia, explains the biggest difference between a proven entrepreneur and a starting entrepreneur who thinks that he or she has a great idea. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books, where we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs. Books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, self-help, and much more. And I'm your host, Manny Vaya. Today, I'm really excited to be chatting with Ed Hess, Professor of Business Administration at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business, about his book, So You Want to Start a Business?, And the subtitle of the book is Eight Steps to Take Before Making the Leap. His co-author, Charles Getz, is a serial entrepreneur having started nine different ventures. Ed, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, uh, good good day and good morning to all your your friends. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Thank you very much for taking the time to do this, Ed. Um, I... I wanted to talk about this book, this book because there are so many great insights as to what happens in the early stage of a business, uh, you know, and uh, a lot of the listeners here are entrepreneurs and they are going through some of the early pains, the early struggles. So the sooner they can get past that point and get to the next level, the better. So um, that was my perspective, but I want the listeners to get your perspective. Why should they read this book? Well, that's that's a, that's the obvious why. Why write the book, and why should anybody read it? And what the book does is puts forth my co-author and I. Um, I spent a lot of time in my business career, if you will, financing entrepreneurs and financing growth companies and doing strategy work. And my co-author was a very successful serial entrepreneur. And while we sat back and said, "Look, most startups fail. Why do they fail?" And it appeared to us that there basically was eight basic reasons. And we wanted to write something which addressed each of those eight reasons and what we had learned over, you know, combined 20 plus years, how basically what do successful entrepreneurs do in the beginning? How do you basically start a business and mitigate or minimize your risk up front? And uh, that's the purpose of the book. And it's also a framework. How do I think about starting a business? What should I look at? What's the approach I should take? And so it's a roadmap. It's very practical. Um, it's not an academic book. It's, it's very practical how to think about these things, how to get this information, how to think about what you should do. And uh, so that's why we wrote the book. We wrote the book to basically help people be successful. Absolutely. And uh, it's a great uh, it's a great um, starting uh, uh, primer in some ways on entrepreneurship. Um, I usually ask our, our guests your story behind writing this book, but it seems like you already talked about it. But tell us a little bit uh, of your, you know, your personal background as uh, being at the Darden School and your, I think your co-founder has a pretty storied past when it comes to business, right? Yes, yes. My, 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 my co-author, Charlie Getz, um, um, was at, is at Emory University, and before coming to Darden, I taught at Emory, and uh, I spent, um, I guess, twenty of my twenty of my professional years in the business world. Um, I was an investment banker and strategy consultant, and then I became an entrepreneur, building three service businesses. And then I decided to go into academia, and I've been in academia now fourteen years, the last uh, nine years here at the Darden Business School. And uh, But while I was at Emory, I got to know Charlie real well, 
and um, and we sort of we won. We liked each other. We complimented each other. We brought different perspectives to the table. Charlie was a consummate marketer, uh, and and. Um, I was more into the strategy and operations and leadership aspect of it. And so it, uh, you know, we sat down a couple of times over coffee at Starbucks and outlined and put forth an outline and said, yeah, let's, let's try and do something that basically, you know, there's a, is the subtitle of the book says eight steps to take before making the leap. Cause we were trying to help people basically increase their probability success because we'd seen too many entrepreneurs not only incur financial loss, but emotional loss, stress on the family. Um, and, um, you know, it's like you don't have to you don't have to do that. You can start small and you can iterate and you can you can build up before you, if you will, uh, take that big risk. And so that's sort of the background. Got it. And uh Let's let's jump into the book. Let's get into the maybe maybe uh, a ten thousand feet overview of the book. I mean, usually, I mean, you already said there will be these are eight steps or eight kind of keys, but a ten thousand or feet overview of or on the book. Maybe a couple of minutes just to kind of lay the land for people, and then we'll get into the details, the fun stuff. All right. I think I think one way to start thinking about entrepreneurship is 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 to answer the three W's. What am I going to sell? who's going to buy it and why they're going to buy it. I mean, if you think about it, what am I going to sell makes you think about what am I good at? All right. What do I know? What's, what do I enjoy doing? All right. Um, who's going to buy it? Who's the customer? Um, what customer segment, you know, how many times do those customers need to buy whatever I want to sell? Is it something they're going to buy on a weekly basis or once every five years? All right. All that impacts if you think me being able to figure out whether I can earn a living at it. And then the most important W is why. Why is somebody going to buy from me? It's very, very unusual for any entrepreneur to come up with an idea that somebody's never thought of. All right. And in most cases, there's already competition. In most cases, you know, somebody is trying to meet the same need. And so what am I going to offer? Why me? What's my differentiator? What am, what am I offering Jim or Jane that's so compelling they'll overcome what I call customer inertia? Because if I'm doing business with somebody in order to get me to change, it's, you know, it's not enough that I've got something nice. What do I have that it's a got to have? What's going to basically motivate somebody to overcome the inertia? Because I'm comfortable. I'm going along. I don't know who you are. And I've done business with this person to get me to change. What's going to drive that? And it's it, that's, you know, it's that why are you going to buy from me? And if you can answer those three questions in your own mind, and most of the time it takes people doing a lot of work to figure that out up front. If you can answer those three questions, that sort of then gets you to the point of, all right, Let's go to the to the what I call the napkin approach. Does this thing go pencil? You know, how much money do I want to earn in the beginning? How much money do I need to live on? Okay. What is my product or service going to sell for? Well, I don't know. What's the competition selling for? Well, that's a gauge. So to come up with how many things, units, sales do I need to make? All right, per month to generate the profit I want which means I got to figure out what it's going to cost me to produce it. And you, you know, you, you sort of do a back of the envelope. If you, if you know, I've used the example in the book about opening up a deli and selling sandwiches, 
you'll come down to, can I sell 166 sandwiches for lunch every day? And who's the buyers? Where am I going to put my deli or my stand? So I got that many people coming by or close by during lunch. And you start thinking through, if you will, logically what I call peeling the onion. You keep peeling the onion back until you come down and you at least have got some semblance of knowing, will this thing pencil? Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, so so I, I'm really enjoying this discussion, but I want to get to the the core details and and I want to explore the three most like here on this podcast. We always focus on three key ideas, three uh, specific ideas that pertain to an ambitious entrepreneur. And in in this case, I want to start off the first big idea to me as we've been talking about. I think it's the whole idea of what is an entrepreneur. A lot of people mistake that thinking that it is some um, big mysterious way of looking at the world, but it's absolutely, well, tell us about it. Yeah, that's a, that, that's, that's a great question. That's a great question because, uh, you know, people sit back and they think about entrepreneurs and they think of, you know, very, very successful, you know, Sam Walton, Steve Jobs, and all these people, and Howard Schultz who starts Starbucks and everything. But if you really think about what is an entrepreneur, it's somebody that has an idea. And an idea is really a hypothesis. To some extent, an entrepreneur is just like a scientist. I have a hypothesis. I have an idea about something. Okay, I need to go test that idea. If I do X, will customer Y do, will customer Y buy it? And so I got an idea that I want to go test. And I'm going to get feedback when I do the test. Then I've either got to if the feedback comes about perfect, which it rarely does, you know, okay, then I ask other questions. If the feedback says the customer doesn't want to buy this, well, why doesn't the customer want to buy it? So I got to go do an experiment. I got to go learn from the customer. And that's that word learn is very important. That means I've got to be open-minded. I've got to really listen to the customer, all right, and figure out what do they really, really need and I iterate, entrepreneurship is a process of hypothesis testing, idea testing, and iterative learning. Whether you use the effectuation process, whether you use lean startup, they're all the same. They're all doing the same thing. They all come from the scientific method. I got an idea. I believe if X, then Y. I got to go test if X, then Y. And I got to find out what that customer's need is and will, you know, can I meet that need? And then I get feedback from the customer. That's my test results. I got to take my test results into account. All right. And then I, I keep adapting. It's iterative learning. It's continuous iterative learning because in the entrepreneurial world, things don't stay the same because competi competition adjusts. You got to adjust. Customers change. You lose customers. There's new customers with different needs. Good entrepreneurs are great learners. That's correct. Because I think uh, in uh, what happens is we look at the end result. We look at the Facebook end result, or you know, the Airbnb end result, or the Uber end result, or Sam Walton end result, or SpaceX end result. You know, we we look at the end result and we think, 
we've got to think really big and create something big and sit in our garage and come up with this great idea and make something happen. But it's exactly the opposite, like how great entrepreneurs work, which is like constantly small tests and uh, experiments. Yes, and you'll find out, you'll find out my research and working with lots of entrepreneurs and uh, the the book on uh, from successful entrepreneurs that grew their companies real big that came after this book most entrepreneurs that i've studied have told me the place i ended up was not the place i thought i was going okay so basically you iterate and you know you adapt you buy you know you keep iterating and you may be you you may be in a completely your product or your service may completely morph somewhat or you may find that wow that customer segment's not my segment it's really this other customer segment and but people you know knowing what you're going to basically having a, the worst thing you can do is go write a business plan all right because you don't have a clue what you got to do is come up with an idea and get out and talk to people go visit the competition see what they're doing and figure out what you know what kind of sandwich why is my sandwich going to be better than Jane's sandwich or Jim's sandwich why is my service going to be better what are the what are the customers telling me that they really really need that they're not getting yeah yeah it's it's a it's one of those things where we got to stop believing that somehow we need to have one creative genius idea but instead find that this will come as we uh as we iterate and learn and fast iteration and fast learning are almost like the requirements. It is. They, they, yes, yes, yes. They are requirements. And in, in, in the world we're living in today, quite frankly, they're requirements for every human being because the world's changing so fast with technology and everything. And the whole thing about jobs, I mean, in, in the United States today, 40% of the people employed are independent contractors or giggers or freelancers. I mean, they're just individual little entrepreneurs. And I mean, you know, it's so it's, it's, you know, that what you just said is sort of like the mantra that everybody's going to have to adopt and an entrepreneurial mindset and an entrepreneurial approach to life is going to be required by everybody, not just entrepreneurs. The difference is entrepreneurs are going to commercialize a product or service instead of just being a personal contractor or independent contractor or, or service gig service provider. And uh, in some ways, like people are scared to go and run these experiments or try these things off, off early on or as first-time entrepreneurs or early-stage entrepreneurs because they feel like they don't want to expose their idea to the world yet. <laughs> or they don't want to fail. In some ways, there is this fear of uh, uh, failure that keeps people away from trying it ASAP. Yeah, and and I like to tell people the faster you fail, the faster you learn. All right, we're all going to fail, and 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 the strong entrepreneurs basically don't place big bets. All right, the smart entrepreneurs don't bet the ranch, so to speak. All right, you do small cheap, fast experiments. That's why, you know, I tell budding entrepreneurs, don't quit your day job. Figure out how you can test your idea out part-time, at night, on the weekends, at farmer's markets, on the internet. You know, figure out how you can do it before you take that big leap and that big, big risk because smart entrepreneurs, 
serial entrepreneurs. I spent a lot of time in my career with serial entrepreneurs. Those, as you know, are people that not only build one, one really good business, but build several businesses. All right. Good businesses. And they exit and they, they generally end up making lots and lots of money. All right. When you talk to these people, what's amazing, they don't take big risk. All right. They don't risk hundreds of thousands of dollars. They don't risk in many cases, tens of thousands of dollars. They get an idea and they, 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 you know, they go start talking to people. They go start talking to potential customers and they do it on the side and they, they, you know, they don't take that big leap. And so you can't fear of failure. All right. It's almost like an entrepreneur can't be afraid of failure because you're going to fail by definition. You're not going to get it right. And there is no failure so long as you learn. There is failure if you keep making the same mistake over and over. There is failure if you don't listen to the customer and learn. But I mean, this whole thing about, you know, in our society about don't make mistakes and you got to be perfect. Okay, that's poppycock. All right. And that's just not an entrepreneurship. That's in everything in life today with the velocity of change so great and the skills that people have got to learn. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like um, we have to change our mindset from thinking that entrepreneurship is about one big idea, but instead think about entrepreneurship as a process That's and right. we can learn it. That's right. It's a process. It's an approach. It's a, it's a exactly right. And if you go through the process, you don't look at, it's interesting, a big public company out on the West Coast into it. I did, a, I've done some work with them and I was a chapter in my most recent book on him to it. And they were putting in, if you will, into their company experimentation process, the lean experimentation process in order to be more innovative. And they took the word mistake out of their, if you will, lexicon. Okay. There's, there's no mistakes. There's surprises because you didn't get the result you expected. That's a surprise because people, you know, get all hung up on the word mistake. You know, so an entrepreneur, think about it this way. You're not going to fail and you're not going to make mistakes. You're going to find a lot of surprises and the, your ability to adapt to surprises will determine your ability to be successful. Yeah. How do I handle surprise? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's, it's almost like we have to stop. Uh, and this kind of leads us into the second big idea of this book, which is uh, just the fact that... Um, as as we talked about, like we have to stop loving our product or our idea and be very like ego driven about that, but instead start loving the customer, which means we need to get to know them, right? So let's talk about that. Yeah, got to get to know them, and you got to listen to them, and it's a little bit like you know, it's you know uh, the 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 great um, uh, management professor and management consultant Peter Drucker. The sole purpose of business is to serve a customer. All right, and and. Yeah. Um, I had an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. Um, she built seven great companies. She's, and she would, she would, she said to me when, um, I was working with her, she says, you know, she said, you can't listen if you're talking and you, and an entrepreneur needs to listen until it hurts. And those were her exact words. Listen until it hurts. And that means be open-minded really try and understand because sometimes customers are trying to say things to you and what you're hearing is not what they're really meaning because sometimes they're not clear. So what an entrepreneur needs to do is to become a really good listener. And what that means is listen to the customer and then, then don't solve the problem immediately. 
ask questions of the customer. Did you mean this? Or I'm not sure. Let me paraphrase this back to you. This is what I'm hearing. And really keep asking questions till you drill down and peel that onion as to what is the real thing here? What is the real need that's not being met that if I can solve? Because sometimes customers got to talk it out themselves. And if you ask a question and a customer says, I want this, and you immediately go to solving the problem, you haven't listened because you haven't tried to make sure you haven't done the first step is make sure you understand what the customer is really saying. And you can only do that by asking questions. And too many entrepreneurs are so full of their idea. They're waiting for the customer to stop and they're leaning forward. And as soon as the customer stops, they say, well, this is what I want to do. Will this work? No, sit back and say, this is really problem identification. Let's, let's drill down a little bit. The, you know, the five whys. Why do you need that? Oh, well, why does that occur? Oh, and why, why, why? And you eventually you get to the base. What is the real thing? And so listening is mission critical and, and listening is an art. Okay. Most of us are poor, poor listeners because we're so full of ourselves and our ideas. What we got to do is we got to basically tamp down what we call the big me and listen to the big them, which is the customer. Hmm. It's um, there's a I, I, there's a funny story behind the whole idea of uh, and you cannot listen until you stop talking. Uh, can you can you tell us about how you actually uh, uh, got this idea from her? I think uh, you asked her about what's the most important. <laughs> Uh, idea that an entrepreneur can learn, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 this is what she came back with, and uh, and 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 she was very emphatic. I mean, and um, you know, again, this woman built seven businesses. She said, and then then she she said, Ed, you gotta you gotta you gotta tell these entrepreneurs, listen till it hurts, because sometimes you're gonna get negative feedback about your product, and sometimes you're gonna basically, you know, under get negative feedback about your service. So it's, it's not only discovery listening, it's feedback as to when there is an issue and you're not meeting the need and it's not being defensive. Uh, Horst Schulte, who was a um, entrepreneur that helped build the Ritz Carlton Corporation, you know, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, al always said, all right, that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you got to understand that every customer wants the same thing, quality on time, defect free. And when you mess up and make a mistake, they want caring response. They want to be hugged and told you're going to make it all right. They don't want, they don't want to be told uh, it's not your fault. They don't want to be told that, gee, that was not that big a deal. Uh, didn't we, didn't we, you know, get 80% of it right. Uh, and it's this, this attitude that, wow, without these customers, because think about it, if you're an entrepreneur, What's the best advertisement you can have? Um, your customer advocating on behalf of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy customers. Happy customers. One, they stay your customer. All right. And two, they're out talking. Okay. Think about it. When's the last time you went to a retail establishment or a restaurant or had a service business and you got, you got bad service. All right. 
and you don't, you don't have to answer out loud and all the people listening. Think about the last time that happened. How many people did you tell that about? Yeah, everyone who would want to go there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so, and you know, and think think about you know some place where you got exceptional service, because the the thing about entrepreneurship which people underestimate it is more than the product or the service. It is the emotional connection between you and the customer, because really, really great entrepreneurs are basically great at engaging emotionally with their customers and they, their customers feel valued, cared about their customers. The whole thing about being an entrepreneur is going back. People want this. I don't know if you can see my hands. I want to feel like I'm in good hands. I want to feel like you will take care of me and trust me and we'll each treat each other fairly. I don't, I want to be comfortable with you. And too many entrepreneurs forget that personal side of that customer relationship, all which goes back to listening and remembering it's the customer. And it's more than the product or service. It's also the emotional aspect of people doing business with you. Got it. I think you say it in the book. It's like, um, not don't fall in love with the product because it's the job of the customer to do that, not yours. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's a, love your customer. Love your customer more than you love your product. That's right. And the customer will love your product. That's right. So uh, you get out of the equation of you trying to love the product. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's that's yes. Uh, that's really good. I think that's a key distinction we need to make um, as early stage entrepreneurs. Probably yes. a big, big, big problem because we just fall in love with our ideas so much that we don't want to listen. We don't want to hear any negative feedback. We don't want people shooting down our idea. But that's right. exactly what we need. That's right. And what what that means is is it's not about we we don't define my ego with being right. Okay, find my ego with about getting it right, if you will, with the which means getting it right and working on it with the customer, getting it right in the marketplace. It's not whether my original idea was was the best idea. Okay, it's adapting and learning. It's the, the whole concept is the process. The process is so critical. The entrepreneurial process, the iterative learning is so critical. And we don't live and die by each conversation as to whether there's a mistake or not a mistake. No. You know, good entrepreneurs sit back and with their people when they start hiring employees, they ask every day, what did we learn today so we can be better tomorrow? And whenever we stop learning, we're on a downward trend. Yeah, that's right. Then, yeah, then, then we're not evolving anymore. Then we're not growing anymore. Right. Um, and because, you, because the competition's not sitting still. Yeah. Okay, well, the, the entrepreneurial world is basically a very adaptive uh, marketplace in the sense that, you know, if, if you come up with something that's really, really good, all right, there's other people that want to be entrepreneurs and that there's an old saying, you know, honey attracts bees. Mm -hmm. So you got a honey pot. There's yep. going to be more bees and you're going to have to stay ahead of the bees. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a game that we have to continue to play and not stop playing because it's 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 going to evolve. And, and in order to see the game and adapt to the game, we can't get too too complacent. We can't get too full of ourselves that we got it made, that we've solved it. It's done. No. 
yeah, it's a constant evolution. Um, and that leads us in some ways to the third key idea from the book. Uh, it's, it's all about why a customer should buy from you, from you rather than from anyone else. Because I think we lose that as we're working through our quote-unquote product or idea. Right. And, in, in, in the, and it comes down to trying to figure out, you know, one, first, what is the need you're trying to meet? And why is that need not being met by somebody else? And what can you do to meet that need, which in some ways is defensible, either some ways that uh, 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 you've got either a personal relationship that you build, either it's trust, either because you're the way you're doing it, you can basically get, get the product or service there faster, or you're willing to make guarantees what you what you don't want to do is you know there's there's basically two big two business models high volume low margin lower volume higher margin and you know if you're going to be in the high volume low margin business that's basically a business which is always going to be driven if you will by cost if you're in a business that's basically higher margin that generally means there is something that you're delivering which is either harder, I didn't say impossible, harder to replicate, harder to do, or you're in a position to do it better or faster, if you will, because you're closer to the customer or you're willing to do certain things and be more flexible with the customer. What is that why? And it, you know, it differs in so many different situations. Where where it gets tough in the world is is when you're basically dealing in commodity commoditization, which means that's a drive to the lowest cost. And basically the biggest players generally are going to win that battle. So it's it's really figuring out what what value can you add uh, and and then develop the reputation for quality and reliability. And every time somebody walks either calls you or walks into your establishment or whatever, they feel like you truly care about them being treated fairly, et cetera. And they truly feel okay, needed, wanted, and loved. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a challenge, and especially when you're when you're early stage and when you're working through things to to understand that in some ways we're, we uh, the why is important because it makes us stand out. It makes us be different compared to what's out there. And but because if we cannot make that distinction, um, why even bother trying? Well, it makes it makes you it makes the likelihood of success much smaller, and it makes the likelihood of sustainability much smaller because it's you know it's certain it it's you know you, there, there's got to be you know a reason that somebody's not only going to start doing business with you but keeps doing business with you because if you you know if you have one customer and and you and lose that customer and get another customer and your business basically is as you you keep a customer 3 months and they leave you you know you're never going to reach the point okay depending on your goal financial goal or personal goal or values goal you're never going to reach the point of having if you will either some uh, sustainability or reliability then you that you can basically earn enough money the next month doing this to survive 
Yeah, this is this is great. So, Ed, we've been we've been talking about uh, really important ideas here, and uh, I think uh, what what I want to do at this stage is uh, close the interview with specific action items for our listeners to give give them meaningful steps to take when they go back home or when they start working or continue to work on there. And uh, so, so give us three key action items or homework, and you're probably good at that because you do this every day. <laughs> well, <laughs> three action items, all right? Understanding that, you're, that it's a learning process, so you got to start somewhere. What is my idea? Basically, come up, answer the three W's. What is my idea? What is my product or service? Who do I think needs it? And why do they need it? That's the first thing. The second thing is go find those people and talk to them and and ask them, okay, who, you know, do what do you need? Do you need this? Would this help you do your business? Where, how are you meeting this need now? Are you open to changing if you can get a, find a better product or service? If you go back to my deli situation, okay, why is somebody going to buy sandwiches for me? I got to answer that question. What am I going to do different? Ketchup is ketchup is ketchup. Tomatoes, tomatoes is tomatoes, okay? What am I going to do different, all right? Maybe I'm only going to have organic food, oh, okay? But other people can get organic food too. What am I, oh, I'm going to do delivery, okay? Uh, you got to constantly get down to thinking about what am I going to do different and will people basically pay me enough? So you got to basically start and answer the three W's. Number two, you got to get out there and go look at the competition. Go look at the competition. Uh, if, if it's a deli, go sit, watch their business, buy their sandwiches, try their salads, figure out, you know, what they're doing, write down what all their prices are. Go do, if you will, go look at the competition because that's the best ideas because you got to assume people are making money else they would already be out of business. It's not necessarily the case. Sometimes people invest their life savings, but that gives you ideas about how to basically uh, price your product and what it's going to cost and how to think about it. Third thing is do an experiment. If I want to, if I'm going to be selling sandwiches and maybe sandwiches is the wrong example, but let's just use an example. All right. A lot of communities have farmer's markets, all right? You get a license to have a stand in the farmer's market and go open up a stand on Saturday mornings and sell sandwiches. See whether people will buy your sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. do the minimum cost minimum, experiment. That's right. Minimum go, viable go, product, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Great. Uh, Ed, this has, been, this has been so much fun. I, I'm sure our listeners got a lot of value out of this interview. Um, do tell us how to find you online and get hold of you if, um, and where on, to find the on, book. On, online, my, is, um, my last name, H-E-S-S, -S, first initial E, Hesse at Darden, D-A-R-D-E-N, dot Virginia spelled out, dot E-D-U. And the book, So You Want to Start a Business, is on um, Amazon, and I think it's Barnes & Noble also. And um, I wish all, all your listeners and v uh, viewers the best wishes on their learning journey because entrepreneurship is a learning journey. Absolutely. I always say that it's a, it's, it's a place where we go and challenge our comfort zones and become better. Um, you know, it's a path to self-actualization to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, great. Uh, thank you very much, Ed. Uh, it's thank been a you. pleasure. Take care. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, so you just listened to a great interview, but how much of it will you really remember two weeks from now? Edgar Dale's research, also known as the cone of learning, has shown that two weeks after, we retain as little as 10% of what we read. But that retention of knowledge goes up to 90% if we take action on these ideas. So it's really important that you take action on what you've just learned as soon as possible. And the best way to do it is to text the word summary, S-U-M-M-A-R-Y, to the number 44222, and you can get the free summary and action guide of this book right away. Okay, so let me ask you something. Have you ever wanted to sit down with one of the founders of great startups of today like Dropbox, Wikipedia, Udemy, Airbnb, Groupon, and ask them real detailed stories of how they got started, how they went from $0 to the first sale to $1,000 to $100,000 to million, 10 million, 100 million, even a billion dollars. I mean, how do they really go through those steps? That's what my friend Andrew Warner is doing at Mixergy, and I absolutely love the de- level of details he gets out of these founders. It's unprecedented. For example, when Andrew interviewed co-founder of Udemy, Gagan Biani, Andrew really drilled into how Udemy grew from nothing. Why did they fail for a whole summer to get any customers? How did they find a partnership? How did they make their first sale? How did they finally get traction? Andrew has done over 1,000 such interviews with some of the biggest names, and they are really helpful. And you can find all of them at Mixergy.com. Mixergy's annual membership is $399 per year, but for this launch of 2000 Books Podcast, Andrew has been very kind to give away three annual Mixergy memberships. And you can win one of these three annual Mixergy memberships worth $399 each by just texting the word SUMMARY to 44222, and you will have all the details as to how to enter the launch contest. By the way, a lot of you have asked me as to how I'm able to absorb seven books a week. Well, I do read a lot, but a lot of my learning happens as a result of listening to audiobooks while I'm working out, driving, running, doing errands, all sorts of things. So it is a great way to use my extra time. And if you want to use your extra time by listening to a great audiobook for free, head on over to 2000books.com free and sign up for an Audible subscription. The first book is free and you can cancel any time. So 2000books.com free.